Fables podcast uh, with myself, Omar Mitwali, and Nicole Nelson. And uh, today uh, we have a special guest, Sean Patrick Marr. Mm-hmm. Sean Did Patrick Marr. Marr. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're very excited to have him today because we're going to talk about a very special subject to me. And I think Nicole also, she's very excited. <laughs> she has totally. already a ton of questions lined up. <laughs> totally. So uh, before we get started, I just want to give... Um, you, Sean Patrick, a chance to introduce yourself and tell us what you do. Sure. <sighs> Actually, just taking a moment to settle here, land a little bit. Hopefully that's okay. Yes, it is. Um, so uh, my focus is men's work. I'm a men's coach. Sometimes I've called it men's connection coaching. And I focus on supporting men and showing up in their full expression. Men that maybe feel disconnected from their lives, um, feeling unfulfilled. Um, there's a lot of challenges that are facing men and there's not a lot of support that men can find, especially when it comes to things of the heart. There's a lot out there for men to support them in um, like the, the kind of logical side of things and, and figuring things out and coaching them in a tough, hard way and pushing them and you know, all these things. And, um, what I found is there wasn't that much out there for supporting men's hearts. So what I do is show up and support men in getting in connection with their own hearts so that they can show up in their lives in a deeply fulfilling way so that they can create more connection with others and they can live a much more fulfilled life. Um, I think one of the things that keeps us from a fulfilled life is deeper connection. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the things I do is focuses on deeper connection. Now, you have been traveling the country with Hazel Grace doing the cock project, the cock and pussy project. (laughs) So how do you work with men while you're on tour? Um, All of my clients are non-local. So I do all my stuff virtually through Zoom. So I have uh, clients all over the country and the world, actually. So I have some international clients as well, um, which is really convenient so that I can travel and and, uh, affect local communities with workshops and speaking and things like that, um, but not be tied to one zone in terms of my one-on-one clients. Awesome. That's excellent. I wanted to hear a little bit about how you got started with this. How does a man in our society... (laughs) And wait, I think we already talked about this, but do you identify as heterosexual? I do. Okay. So a heterosexual man who grew up in Texas, right? How did you yeah. how did you become so how did you become so conscious about communication and and start walking the path towards helping other men find that consciousness? Hmm. It's an interesting question. Um I, I can only guess at it actually. <laughs> Cause uh when you say it like that, I'm like, how did that happen? Um you know, as I as I've been growing in my own life, I did a lot of work so there's a lot of threads here and the ones that one the one that's coming up most presently for me is is in my process of growing 
um, I had a lot of challenges with the masculine energy and I pushed against it really hard. I revolted, I rebelled mm. against the masculine energy and I went really, really deeply into my feminine. And that I think is the part that really opened up the spaces for uh, deeper communication, deeper self-knowledge, more inner work um, was kind of going into that mode. It was a very spiritual path. And coming out on the other side of that path, when I was really wanting to get really clear on how I could most serve the planet, I started to look at myself. What did I do and what did I need and what did I focus on in terms of my own development? And that's when I started to get really clear that as I made my uh, kind of movement back towards the masculine in a stronger way without leaving behind those feminine qualities, I started to realize that there is an emergent um, there's an emergent energy that is happening right now. There's an, there's an opportunity yeah. right now for men um, as, as I you know work with men specifically, but for the masculine energy to reframe itself, to show up in a new way, Absolutely. to open up. It doesn't have to be in the stoic way. So I started just exploring how could I actually impact the world in a greater way? And that's when realizing that men needed this kind of support. It was the one thing that seemed to be the thing that stood out for me, my ability to connect with myself in a deeper place and to communicate that to others. Mm -hmm. So I just stepped into that in a greater way and started inviting men into that space and watching them transform in terms of the coaching that we were doing. And it's just been an ongoing process from there. So you started this in Texas or did you um, leave and then find yourself and... Started this in Texas. Really? Mm -hmm. I mean, I've traveled around the country m many times. I used to be a touring musician and did a lot of healing work yeah. and a lot of spiritual questing. And so, you know, there there was a cultivation of all these things. But when I, when I actually created this offering and created okay. my business, it was it was in Texas. Which part of Texas do you come from? I've been living in the Austin area okay. for the last ten years or so. All right, good. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a little bit more forgiving there than other parts. <laughs> forgiving. <laughs> well, certainly. Okay. That's funny. Um, okay, so that's a, it's a very similar story, actually, to where I'm coming from, except I'm from Egypt. But I, I definitely rebelled against uh, the masculine, the toxic masculine there, and, and then uh, kind of explored. But um, back to you, though. So you did this starting when, roughly? It was... It's recently or have, it's a lifelong thing I mean, for you? I mean, I would say it's a lifelong thing for sure. I mean, the, yeah. the, the kind of the knowledge and the wisdom that I bring into the work that I do is something that I've been cultivating as I look back since I was a child, mm. you know, and growing in this way. Now, yeah. actually putting it together into something and realizing this is what I want to do in the world has been yeah. the last couple of years gotcha. as, as far as actually getting focused in there. I've been coaching for a while and doing a lot of healing work before that, but... Um, the focus on men has been a relatively new piece in the last two years or so. Okay. And, um, yeah. So I, I want to know, um, this is kind of a random question, but something that popped into my head is I was trying to picture like, what was this person like in high school? You know, cause I feel like that's a time <laughs> when the masculine, the like toxic masculinity really comes out it is in high school. So I'm curious, like who you hung out with? What did you do? Like what, what kind of person were you when you were in high school? Um, that's an interesting question as well. Um, <laughs> um, actually first I wanted to mention something that, that, um, 
I've actually been exploring um, certain uses of language that that uh, I feel more resonate with with what I'm working on. For sure. And I've actually moved away from um, from the words toxic max- masculinity. All right. And I've been using unhealthy and healthy. Okay. Um, and it, it and it kind of means the same thing, right. but it takes a little. It humanizes it just a little bit. I think yeah. toxic masculinity still mm-hmm. has this thing that we're saying is over there, and it's bad and evil and wrong. Yeah. And um, there's something about recognizing that it's just a sense of being mm-hmm. unhealthy or yeah. out of balance and, and it brings a little more compassion to it so that we can actually bring it back into the I like health. That. Yeah, so I really like just, that. Just bringing that, that slight shift that's okay. actually relatively new for me as well to yeah. bring that in, but it's it's really supportive. So from now on, unhealthy masculinity versus toxic. Yeah. If it, yeah, if it definitely. serves you. No, yeah. I, I think, I, you know, I, I can that. follow that because, I mean, well, not just men, but everyone, you know, has their shadow sides mm-hmm. and, you know, it's sometimes unhealthy if it's way imbalanced so we we all strive to kind of reach a nice uh, equilibrium absolutely I, I like to call it an integration okay. and, you know it's and it's interesting to note that there's also an unhealthy feminine yeah right. you know, absolutely oh, there's yeah. also that side of the spectrum <laughs> yeah. it's not oh, yeah. the predominant experience that we all see in the world right um, but it's it's uh, there I, I and think, exists I think we do through mm. body image issues mm-hmm, and sure. eating disorders and suppressing I know I'm a bad habit of mine has always been was was not anymore <laughs> was to just not speak up about my needs and mm-hmm. desires cause mm-hmm. out of fear but going back to the question the high school sure. question yeah. yeah well high school was an interesting time for me um I I was actually working in a bank at the time in my, high school in high school my first job was uh, my first legitimate job was actually in a bank so I worked in a as a bank teller and into the loan department for like two years. Okay. I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I sure. kind of relate to that. Cause my first job was when I was 15 working in escrow. <laughs> and I, yeah. So I kind of relate to that. Um, and so I, uh, my life changed a lot. My sophomore year of high school, um, okay. my brother, my older brother uh, passed away in a car accident. Oh, shit. My sophomore year of high How school, old was he? he was 23. I was wow. 16. Uh, and that changed my life dramatically Absolutely. and, uh, put me, I went down into a pretty dark zone for a good while and, you know, caused a lot of ruckus, um, a lot of, a lot of different abuse of different things and, um, just put me in a bad way for a lot of years. So was that your only sibling? No, I have a younger brother. Okay. Yeah. My younger brother is still around. He's doing well, married. Oh, as nice. a house, all the things <laughs> doing the, doing See, the American, American dream. dream. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. So, so my world actually, and, and, and what's interesting is like what happened as, as a result of that experience is actually some of the things that set me in motion for the work that I do now, because as I wasn't processing my grief and my pain and my sadness in a clean way, because I didn't really know how, especially as a, as a young man, there wasn't a lot of avenues for how do you express yourself emotionally. By that point, I'd already been pretty much shaped into that space where um, certain degrees of emotion are just not acceptable. Mm-hmm. So there was no outlet for it. So it started mm-hmm. coming out in really um, self-destructive manners and I ended up hurting other people and just causing mm-hmm. a lot of damage, mm-hmm. which was a whole other thing that I had to start unraveling. And that again was something that led me to see like, Oh wow. You know, if I would have just had these pretty basic structures in my world, or if I would have even been taught as a young age, 
um, to be able to move my emotion in a good way, mm. yeah. then maybe I wouldn't have had to do what I did. Yeah. And what's interesting is it's not necessarily like my parents taught me not to, although there was some of that. There's just this deeply ingrained societal expectation yeah. that says boys and men are not necessarily allowed to express themselves right. fully. Some of that's been shifting in a big way, right. but there's still a story that exists in the predominancy of, of masculinity <laughs> yeah. or men, mankind or manhood right. that says that we're not really... Um, able to move those things in a cleaner way. Right. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to deal with the death of a sibling. And so you went into a depression. Is that, am I, did I hear this right? And then you had to deal with it. Was there any support for you at the time or? Um, other than- well, you know, I, there was people, there was uh, support structures to some degree. Mm. Um, but being how I was at the time, uh, definitely, uh, kind of pushing everything away and and just mm-hmm. going into other routes of expression. Okay. Um, it didn't really exist in a way that I had a, a access to, okay. but I think part of that was, was my own. So essentially you've become the person that you needed at that time. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, that's actually, I've, I've not thought of it in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that makes a lot of sense that yes, I, I am the, I feel more like the person that I could have turned to um, to at least get me resourced to the support points that I need. Mm. Um, and I feel like I have become a person that can support other men in shifting how they show up in their own lives so mm. that they shift how they show up for their children mm. so that their children can even go to them. Yeah. You know, um, my relationship to my father got very estranged very quickly after mm. my brother died and um, I didn't have him to go to either. Uh, it was like he didn't necessarily have the capacity to show up for me in the way that I needed as well during that time. Mm-hmm. So um, that's my hope on a deeper level is like the more I can impact and influence men's lives, then they can show up for their children in a deeper way. And I keep on saying men because that's my focus. Obviously, it takes all, all people involved. The village. Yeah. Right. But I'm my focus is on, on the men. So I have a, I have a question about that because my brother has he's younger than me he's 27 and he has a daughter he has a daughter who she'll be three in november and he uh he actually has her like 75 percent of the time he's very involved and he for the most part i feel is very emotionally connected with her and i don't worry about him not allowing her to express her emotions. I don't worry about him not having the emotional dynamic of their relationship intact, but I still feel like there is an aspect where he's not fully understanding what women go through in our society. He, my brother is very much like he, he's the opposite of victim mentality. He's like, you know, you you do the best with what you got. You persevere, you overcome your challenges, and you rise above it. And I constantly try to explain to him that for whatever reason, that seems to be a lot easier for a lot of men. Um, maybe this is a whole like testosterone versus estrogen thing. <laughs> But for a lot of women, like we're very emotionally sensitive 
And as much as you think that your positive influence over Layla is going to be enough to overcome what she's going to face in our society, I'm constantly feeling like I just want him to comprehend more the reality of what his daughter might go through as she's growing up. And I'm wondering how you would explain to a young male who's 27 years old and has a three-year-old daughter, how can he, how, how he could show up in a way that is more in alignment with guiding his daughter through the reality of what women go through in our society? Well, there's a, there's a lot to that question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, a couple of the things that come up as, as one, you know, the piece about you saying, um, it's hard for him to know what women go through in our society. And I think you're exactly right with that. It's, it's really challenging if, um, because there's so much separation. Yeah. There's so much division between the the genders, basically the way we, in the gender normative culture, there's so much division there and there's so much story that over there is so much different than over here. Right. And uh, that's actually one of the biggest takeaways from the work that I've been doing with Hazel Grace is that when we get in these rooms and we start talking about our sexuality and our challenges as humans, um, whether it be man, woman or other, it is phenomenal how similar all of our situations are, how much challenge there is. Um, and there are differences and there are some things that we have to get in that room. We have to get in the spaces that give us the opportunity to learn about each other and to learn what are the specific challenges that women face in our right. culture? What are the specific uh, challenges that men face in our culture? Cause it's different and there are different types of challenges. Um, the other thing that comes up for me is, uh, you know, it sounds like your brother is a, sounds like a great man yeah, he really and is. that he's embodying some of the healthy masculine qualities, yeah. which is that kind of dutiful focused overcoming persevering yeah. energy. Um, well, my thing with him, so he was in the Navy and he was a search and rescue corpsman. He was special forces. There's like close to 300,000 people in the Navy and there's only like 70 search and rescue corpsmen and he was one of them. So it wasn't wow. just like, an easy Navy job. Like he went through prisoner of war training. I mean, the stories he tells me is just, wow. Yeah. You're a war. You're a fucking warrior. And that's so awesome. And I love that about him. And I just, I think it's beautiful. But what I'm constantly trying to explain to him is not everybody's like you. And your daughter is obviously going to embody some of that, but we don't know how much of it she's going to embody. And there might come a time where the warrior warrior mentality might become a form of suppressing emotion that needs to come through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it sounds like uh, his ability to access those emotions and express them fully is the thing that you're... Uh, concerned that he doesn't have full access to right now for his daughter. Is that what I'm understanding? I I guess simply put, I feel, and I feel kind of pretentious saying this, like I know the reality of what's going on, but whatever. I'm the big sister. I, <laughs> I worry. I worry that he can be, and I know this is a harsh word, but for lack of better words, a little ignorant as to the trauma that women go through in our society when it comes to other men. I'm curious if you've um, attempted to talk to him about it. I think so, but it can be very um, 
I know, number one, I don't stay, I get a lot more worked up and triggered when I'm talking to him about it rather than with my friends. So I kind of become like the annoying, bitchy older sister rather yeah, than like calm and composed. So yeah, that's, that's not going to work. Yeah, that's something. <laughs> also, I think that some of those things are, although me and my brother are pretty open with each other, we... When it comes to talking about sex with each other, we get a little grossed out. So it's hard <laughs> for me to like talk to my brother about like sexual trauma that I've been through the, because it's kind yeah. of like, okay, it's a bit too yeah. much. Um, and also, I guess as soon as I start, as, as soon as I go to be like, you know, here's what I went through. I want you to understand how that affected me. I hear the victim mentality in me. So that's a really good question. And if you don't mind, Nicole, if we can make it more general and, and ask Sean Patrick. So if you see a person like this, it could be a friend, your coworker, your neighbor, and you want to introduce him or allow them to, you know, explore different possibilities of being, how would you approach them to discuss, you know, their... Um, their outlook on on life, well, or their gender roles. It's it, there's no easy way to answer that. I don't think. Um, I, 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 are you asking in terms of my personal life? Like, if I saw a friend who I thought could benefit from a, a shift in their showing yeah. up. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the stereotypes of men, right, is their armor. They're just mm-hmm. right. fortified, and they don't let anyone in. They're you know, very well protected. How do you, um, you know, without offending them, how would you go approach, like, let's say a customer comes to you and he's just completely closed off. What are the first things that you might do to kind of allow them to feel more comfortable to discuss their emotions with you? Or just like, mm-hmm. are there techniques or are you starting talking points? Got it. Yeah. So um, some of the first things, I mean, for one thing, if they show up into my space, like if they come to me, then I, there's a there's an availability for it, mm-hmm. and that's that's the most important thing. Right. Like, there's nothing you can do if a person doesn't recognize that they want something or want to step to something. Mm-hmm. So when a person comes and they they become a client of mine, it's very clear that they are committed to doing this. So that in and of itself is a big hurdle. Right. Um, the next piece is that my type of coaching and work is about creating a container that has a person feel safe and open and available as much as possible. Right. And I have many men who, uh, kind of speak to that in the space. Like I don't, I've never told any man this information or I've never, um, you know, it's a little awkward being vulnerable with a man, but I'm feeling really comfortable about it right now. So there's a sense of building comfort in the container. Um, and the first things that I start having men do is work with their hearts. I start bringing them out of their heads and inviting them into a heart-centered way of being through meditation, through practices of vulnerability, through journaling, all these kind of things. And it can be challenging. It's like right. some people can drop right into it and others it takes some effort to really start living from from this place and I point to my heart when I say this place because most of us men are living from up here and that's not where connection happens that's not where vulnerability happens it's not where compassion happens it has to happen in the body and in the heart so one of the first key steps is to is to start drawing into that space more and more mm, excellent yeah so. okay so let's take it a step further let's say that a man has approached you 
you know, for help and they want to become more vulnerable. They've been practicing, let's say, for a month and um, they've experienced a lot of success in making more healthy connections with other people. And then, boom, out of the blue, in their vulnerability, someone hurts them and they immediately feel um, like maybe what they've been doing uh, has been a mistake all along and they've let themselves, they let, they let their guards down mm. and now it's they're feeling hurt and confused. What is the, the proper way to become vulnerable um, in your masculinity without getting hurt at the same time, without being taken advantage of, you know, or manipulated. Yeah. Um, there is no safe environment, you know, yeah. and there's no perfect world. And um, the thing about vulnerability is it's a practice and there's no, there's no, it, in human relationship where we find that we get hurt occasionally, you know, it happens. And I think one of the things that um, comes to me when I, when I listen to what you're sharing right now is, is what I would be doing with a person who came to me with that is we would just go, we would go there and we'd go mm -hmm. into that and we'd be with that experience. What's it like to be in that space of, I felt vulnerable and open and I was hurt and, and that pain was there and how much can you let yourself surrender into that experience as well? And it's the resilience that's built in that, that has you be able to keep opening and opening and opening and also be more discerning. So it's not about being this, um, wide open net to catch everything. Um, it's about knowing how to open yourself in the right ways in certain mm. amounts and kind of tempering that. Yeah. And as you grow the confidence and presence in the beingness yeah. that you're not necessarily impacted by others. And you also have, uh, not that you're not impacted, but that you're not completely, um, completely thrown off or swayed by others. And there's also a sense of, of being really discerning about who are you opening yourself up to in that way. Mm. And I think that's a really okay. important piece and kind of a step in the, in the process. I see. So when we say become vulnerable, it doesn't necessarily mean just completely wide open. You're basically selective in the way you, be, you, you open yourself up into different people or... Yeah, I think, I think discernment is important no matter what. And that's, yeah. that's more of bringing the masculine quality back in, I think. Mm -hmm. um, there's this idea that we're supposed to be this wide open, flowy energy. And that's uh, beautiful in a specific contained environment. So mm -hmm. if you imagine masculinity being like the river, the banks of the river, mm -hmm. and the femininity is the flow of the water in the, yeah. in the river... So it's not that the river is just flowing out all over the place. Yeah. It's being guided down a certain vessel. Yeah. So yeah. There's, there's a need to have some kind of discernment. But I also have a sense that as we grow, as we create more confidence in that place of vulnerability, because I actually think that power, true power comes from vulnerability. So I'm actually of the, of the belief that as we open up more vulnerably and we get in touch with that in ourselves first, and then we begin to share and give that to others and express that, um, there's actually more power that comes up because mm -hmm. we're actually more in touch with who we are, which mm -hmm. actually has us be less swayed off of that when negative things happen or, you know, unwanted experiences come our way. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Mm -hmm. But I have a question. Mm -hmm. Who wh or what's the youngest client? What youngest? What's the youngest age you've worked with? 
Uh, the youngest client I've had to date was 24. That's so cool. Yeah. How did they find out about you? Um, through videos. I create a lot of videos. On and, YouTube? Yeah. Like I, I mostly disseminate them through like Facebook and things like that. But yeah, I just create small videos and speak about different topics in, in a wide range so and then cool. make an offer and they come, come to me. Can you uh, just go ahead and say where, where the YouTube video channel is or... So for those listening right now, they should sure, yeah. I mean, um, the best way to get a hold of all the videos is just go to my website, which is seanpatrickmar.com. Okay, and I imagine that we can write that in the yeah, yeah, we'll next to this, yeah. So I don't have to spell it out right now. For sure. But on there, there's my vlog, and it has all my videos and excellent all the things on there. And uh, it on also YouTube, has the next, what's next your steps. YouTube channel? Just Sean Patrick Mar? I think so. But <laughs> I you know, think so. well, the reason That's I say so that funny. is because I'm I'm not really that interested in like growing a YouTube channel right, that's not okay. I use YouTube as a as a oh so when you say videos it's like videos you post on your website right so I gotcha. host them on YouTube and then I just they're on my website so oh, you can just go it. to my website go to vlog and get, you get to see them got it which I'd rather you do anyway <laughs> now we talked about him doing a little bit of coaching with you but it sounds like you just asked the question did you want to get a little bit more oh no personal? I mean I, I have a lot of questions I mean I <laughs> I'll tell you another thing that I'm working on right now. I am um, trying to do something kind of related to what you're doing. I'm, I'm setting up a, a men's fellowship uh, group. And uh, last time we met, we just started a discussion about what it means to be a man. What does masculinity mean? Does it reside in your sexuality, your, you know, your physical attributes, your you know, consciousness? Your, you know, there's so many stereotypes. And... Um, I think at the end of uh, maybe a 15 minute discussion, we were all like, we don't know. We have no idea. So I'd love to get your thoughts on that. (laughs) Maybe you know something that we don't. Well, this is, this is the ongoing question. You know, this is the interesting thing. Actually, Hazel Grace and I were just having a conversation on the drive here today about certain qualities of, of how people show up in the circle and whether we would define that as masculine or feminine. And I, I'm actually of the of the opinion that things are shifting in some way right now, mm-hmm. that we are actually on the precipice of some kind of evolutionary step in terms of what the masculine energy consists of. Because um, the, the question I had today, we were talking about stoicism and open relating. Yeah. And I'm not convinced that open relating is a feminine quality. I'm oh. also not convinced <laughs> that emotionality is a feminine quality. I'm so interested you're, to hear you're, more about You're this. blowing her mind right now. Okay, we okay. need to come back to that okay, part. Okay. Go on. <laughs> I mean, that's... Uh, well, actually, I really want to go to whatever is just happening for you. That's awesome. Would you like to share with? Go for it. What's on your mind? I didn't want to interrupt, but okay. So when you say open relating, you talking about non-monogamy and polyamory? No, no, no. Okay. No. <laughs> okay. Thank you for clarifying because maybe some other people got that mixed okay, up too. Okay. I just mean the ability to open themselves and authentically express. Okay. Versus being stoic and closed off. So you do not think that's a feminine quality? I don't. I don't. I'm not convinced that that's feminine. What? Okay. Sorry, so many tangents, but first, can we go back and kind of define masculine energy versus feminine energy? So that's kind of like our mm. our 
our slate from which we'll be working with when it comes to talking more about masculine versus feminine? Yeah, I mean, when I think of masculine and feminine, I think of uh, yin and yang energies. I think of kind of the analogy that I gave earlier, which was the the river banks and the river. That's a really helpful way for me to Im- imagine in an abstract kind of way what masculine energy is. So it's grounded. It's like the container. And then feminine energy is this movement and flow within the container. Okay. Right. So, um, and what does that mean when it comes to humans is actually kind of challenging. Right. Right. So, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm developing this idea that what I experience as masculinity is different than what I'm taught as masculinity. And right. I think our perception of what is masculine is awful the unhealthy masculine. Mm. Okay. And I'm not totally convinced that that's actually what the true, truest version of masculinity right. is. So going back to, you do not think that open relating and emoji said something about emotional is a feminine quality. Why not? I think, I think emotion is human. Oh, I see. Wait, okay. I, I, had I, that, I think it's not. I thought you were saying, I was thinking something else. I think that, I think that we are products of our environment in a lot of ways. And right. girls are conditioned that it's okay to emote. Right. Boys are conditioned that it's not. So okay. how do you expect them to be when they become men or representatives of the masculine? It's non-emotive. Exactly. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist in them. It just mm. means that they've really successfully suppressed it. Right. And that's the part that has me think, no, no, I don't think that emotion. Now, now how we interact and how we address emotion might be different. Right. That, that truly could be, there could be some differences there. Right. And that's also a learned skill. Right. So we can learn how to interact with our emotions in a cleaner way. Is there any uh, truth to um, the way that uh, we differ biologically? So the male brain versus the female brain would, you know, part of the brain be more developed for women than men and, and well, brain and hormones and hormones. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Yeah. 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 So there's definitely pieces there and I'm not as adept on that. There's actually a book I think called the male brain and the female brain. Yeah. She's a big fan of that book. I haven't actually read it yet. So, um, there is some genetic and biological differences for sure. So there's something that exists that's different. I'm not saying, so this is the other thing. I'm not saying that we're all the same or anything. I'm not trying to remove the polarity. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that what we understand as the expression of those yeah. traits might not be exactly what we think. And maybe they are, have been in the past, Mm. but perhaps it's different. Perhaps something is evolving now because I feel pretty solid as a man and a masculine being. And yet I have no problem sinking down into my heart and expressing really deeply, but that doesn't make me feel feminine. Like that's not a feminine feeling for me. It's not receptive. Omar's question. Mm. What does it mean to you to be a man? What does being a man mean? It's a good question too. And Omar, do you mean do you mean aside from the biological aspect? Yeah, so okay, let's say, you know, uh, one person said, well, a, a man is, you know, defined by their sexual organs. So let's say that a man was without his penis, would he not be a man anymore, you know? Or right. if he was undecisive and, you know, just fill in the blank to as whatever stereotype feminine is. Um, you know, if that man had all these feminine traits, would he still be a man? And we all agreed that, yes, you would still be a man. So we just, we couldn't really put our finger on one single thing that makes a man a man. 
I think it, I think some, on some level, maybe it's a choice. Like maybe there's a choice to it. I mm-hmm. think that there is, it's true that, uh, male gen, male or female genitalia. Um, but that's actually one of the things that we, we, we kind of been working with in the, in the projects is how do we, at first we were talking about men, we were calling it the cock project and talking about men. Yeah. And then there was a lot of, pushback that said well that doesn't necessarily make a man you know uh, uh, having a cock in terms of how some people view it so uh, the interesting thing is i i don't really know the answer mm-hmm. like I, i'm not really sure i know that i feel like a man yeah. and um, that's how i identify and i think that if a person is more in their masculine and they want to be a man i don't i don't, I don't I don't necessarily feel like we should be policing people on how they choose to, to express if they want to be considered this or that, or, um, you know, one of the reasons that I actually still even work in this space of binary is because that's what people in the, in our society say, Mm -hmm. we are still considered man and woman in our society. Now those might be these constructs that aren't real. Yeah. It could be that those are totally falsified. And yet if I were going to walk around and say those don't exist, I wouldn't be able to help anybody because Mm. I would there there's millions of men who consider themselves man, you know? So for me, it's more like this is the language of the culture. That's the language I'm going to use to affect the culture. Oh, I like that. That makes sense. Yeah. And I continue to stay in the question. What is masculinity? What is femininity? What is man? What is woman? Mm. It's a great question. It's, it's, it's a great place to be right now is in that question. I'm wondering what what you felt the importance of that question was. Why was that an important question to ask? Well, I mean, we... To ask your group, not him. No, that's but, fine. Um, yeah, so we... I called it a man's fellowship group. Right. And um, it's, it's some people in the group are queer, um, and it's totally acceptable. Um, and we're just trying to understand... I guess we we throw a lot of words out there and we actually don't really know what they mean. We just kind of use them or just rehash them. So in in trying to understand the meaning behind those sounds that we make with our mouth, you know, (laughs) maybe we actually might learn something, you know. So so that was the reason why. I love the question. Yeah, I think it's great. Okay. So um, I, I feel like I can keep going for a while. Let's, yeah, yeah. let's keep going for a little bit more. I know that um, actually I, we're trying to keep the podcast to 45 minutes, but I want to like stretch a little bit more if, you, if it's okay with you. I'm totally cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to the, stretch. The problem we keep, How are you doing, by the way? I'm You've great. been traveling yeah. for... Yeah, yeah. I, I feel a little fatigued. I definitely yeah. am recognizing like... Um, like there's a sense when I'm getting tired mm-hmm. uh, or when I'm, when I'm not hundred percent my my safety zone is my head and i'm definitely recognizing that it's it's a practice right now for me to continue to pull my consciousness back out of my logical heady place Mm. and bring it back into my heart and that's that's where i think my my greatest value is so um and i'm noticing appreciation for you asking how i am so that I can actually check in and, and call myself down back into yeah. this space a little bit more. So that language that you just use, I'm thinking of all the men I know who would hear that and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so, Which language specifically? <laughs> the, the, the moving, moving from your head to your heart. 
Moving from your head to your heart, what does that mean? How do you do that? How do you explain that to a man who might hear that and be like, what the hell are you talking about? I've, I've gotten a lot worse than that before. Yeah, even here so. in SoCal, I know a lot of men who You're be very like, generous. Oh, well, yeah, those are yeah. probably not yeah. the guys I'm uh, really attempting to transform. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, just okay. to be honest. Maybe yeah. not that harsh, but okay, yeah. I'm, okay let's... You know, even going back to my brother, my brother is a pretty cool guy. Omar knows him, you know, he might hear that and be like, oh God, I'm he might be a yeah. little, I'm a little like, uh, think that's a little cheesy, but open to hearing <laughs> what you have to say and how that could benefit someone. Yeah. I, well, when it comes, when it comes down to it, um, my greatest openings, my greatest connections, my most valuable times in my life came when I was in my heart when I was actually sinking in and being embodied. And it's not exactly something, if if a person doesn't have a felt sense of it, mm-hmm. it can be challenging to fully grok what I'm trying to, what yeah. I'm trying to bring into the grok. world. But it is, it is amazing when it happens. See, I know what you mean. And I think Omar probably knows what you mean because we've felt it. And mm. go, it, yeah, it's a feeling that is very hard. It's an experience Absolutely. that is very hard to explain unless you've experienced mm-hmm. it. But your question is more like, how would I describe that to somebody who's not getting it? Yeah. Well, if I figured that out, I'd probably have really, really great marketing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> to me, it rem- it's rising of meditation. It's just your, it's your mind calming down and you're reacting through a moment to moment intuition rather it's 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 more like being present than anything Uh, when we're in our heads most of the time we're not actually present to what we're doing we're in our heads we're thinking about the next thing or we're trying to figure out something we're actually thinking about something that's not even in this room right now so being present actually has us live our lives instead of trying to figure out our lives so there's and I, i actually call it heartfulness i don't like using mindfulness Okay. So I have a question. This is something personal that I'm struggling with. So if you want to help me with some coaching right now. So I, um, I'm very, um, aware and I'll, um, use the feminine right now just as a comparison, but women, since they were, you know, they were born, they've been subjected to so much, you know, whether it's oppression or, you know, being objectified and a man that let's say in his thirties or forties is just discovering his heart centeredness and or emotions and just starting to explore that. It's so easy, so easy to be thrown off balance because we just haven't had the practice. You know, I mean, it's like I watch women they go through so much shit and they're like solid. They're like, you know what? I've been doing this since I was like, you know what I mean? It's sure. And, and men aren't equipped, you know, to deal. What do you mean? Can you give like a specific well, example? You know, for instance, TV magazines, you know, subjecting women to uh, a really impossible image to, right? So, You've been dealing with this your whole yeah, life. Yeah. Okay. Now, you know, uh, a feminist, you know, puts out a video to challenge men right. by objectifying them. Right. 
And you see the reaction of the men watching and they freak out. They're like, I don't know what to do with this. You know, I've never been objectified. I've right. never seen a woman, you know, be right. the center of attention. And, and men are like subjects in her world. Right. You know, it's just basically like a video that flips the roles upside down. And just watch men freak out and they just don't know how to deal. We just haven't had practice, you know. So I guess something that I'm, I'm dealing with right now is just going through all the things, you know, once you open your heart, now you're in the realm of, you know, what the feminine has been going through their entire life. And it's just so overwhelming. Like, is there any, you know, exercises or techniques or resources that you would recommend to men who are just having a hard time dealing with the emotional roller coaster that they're feeling for the first time once they open up yeah yeah it is definitely a roller coaster <laughs> <laughs> and um you're right it's it's not something that we're used to and i actually think that that is the oppression of the masculine or of men like you were talking about it's the a very oppression good point. Of, of feminine but our oppression looks different it just means that we're not allowed to do all those things and then later in life especially in our current culture there's a lot of availability for us to go into that so uh, to go into our emotions and to open our heart and to be in that space and yeah it's it's um it's volatile and intense and um, the greatest thing I think is to not do it alone. And that's actually what has me excited about the men's group that you've been creating, because that has actually been one of the greatest sources of support for me personally is having a group of other men who are also on that path and doing that work to show up uh, and be able to get support from. And, um, it takes more courage to step into that place than any other thing that I've experienced and I've never, I haven't experienced a lot of things like war and things like that. But in terms of our current culture in this country, um, the things that exist here, um, I think it takes more courage for a man to open his heart more fully to the intensity and that oceanic, uh, those oceanic swells and currents of the emotion that actually has always existed within him. Because they're always there. We're just actually tapping into them. And what I've actually found is that it just takes time and I have to be slow and I have to be really compassionate with myself. I mean, this is still the journey that I'm on. It's not like I figured all this out. This is an ongoing thing. This is something that I work on every day and every day, every day, even me, I'm like always having to go back into my heart because it's so easy for me to go into my head and just avoid it. It would be so easy to just avoid it, mm -hmm. but there's a sense of just needing to keep going back in and getting the right support, you know, when it's really getting intense, maybe that looks like a coach or men's group or therapy or something like that. Um, but I think it's just showing up and doing the work and not pressing too hard. It's mm. like, how can we, when we have that negative reaction, how can we just sink into that and be with the energy that comes up? Because what I also know about men and working with emotion is that we whether we're trying to do it, like if we were, we're trying to sink into our hearts, we still are trying to quickly get through it as possibly. Like <laughs> how fast can we be done with this? <laughs> give, me, give me the answer. I'll solve the thing and I won't have to deal with this. But yeah. what, what's true about dealing with those emotions is like the, the whole point is to have to be in them. We have to just be willing to sit in the discomfort. So it's just that continual willingness to just go back in, feel it and be with it. And, 
I know that I had a story that I had dealt with my really intense, like depressed emotions. Like Mm -hmm. after my brother died, that was my story. Look, it took me five years to deal with this. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was so afraid to open my heart back up to that because it was like, it's going to swallow me. Look what it did. It took five years of my life, you know? But the truth was I wasn't actually feeling my emotion. I was doing everything I could to avoid it. Mm -hmm. And it's so amazing that when we actually drop fully into a thing and really just let ourselves bathe in it, that it, it can move a lot quicker. You know, it's like I've been trying to siphon a lake through a garden hose and the moment I tore the dam down, well, the whole thing just flooded out within a few minutes, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was a really intense few minutes and I had the proper support to let me do that and I didn't do it on my own. Um, But if I was trying to siphon it through a garden hose, it's going to take lifetimes, you know, so there's the courage to actually bear our heart and to drop into that space with the proper support and really let ourselves be in the things that aren't fun, like the unwanted emotions, just the same. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that really answered your yeah, question. Yeah, it does. But that's, that's it absolutely does. Yeah, yeah. Also, that's not really coaching. That was more like just talking about a thing. <laughs> sure. No, no, no. That's, I understand. Yeah. Well, I have one more question and then maybe we can wrap up. Okay. What do you feel is something unique you bring to the table with your coaching style? Oh, this has been an interesting conversation of late. Um, I know a lot of coaches and I have a lot of friends who are coaches, fantastic coaches. And, um, everybody has a little bit different approach. Um, I know a lot of coaches who are like productivity and business coaches and we couldn't be more different. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They're really, you know, very intense and really like no bullshit kind of coaches. Um, My world is more about how can I, how can I be with, it's like, it's more about how I'm showing up in a space. How can I show up in a vulnerable way? How can I show up in an open way? How can I bring compassion and how can I invite the man that I'm working with to do that based on the experience that he has with me. Mm-hmm. So my, my coaching style is really around going into those spaces. Um, and, and it's like creating a safe container and then us going into that container together. Right. But I have a whole curriculum that I've developed around like helping men feel more fulfilled and more expressed. So they get a lot of information and knowledge. Like there's a lot of info that they get that'll satisfy their kind of logical minds. Right. But then when we get into the sessions, it's all about the heart and it's right. all about climbing into that space and it takes a little practice. And that's what it's all about is just like moving into that space and practicing being in that space and learning how this impacts our lives for the better and how can we implement more of this into our world? Mm. So, um, I think my coaching style is very, um, integrated in terms of like the yang and yin. It's, it's this kind of masculine container. It's very, very well set and there's very specific processes. And then within those processes, there's lots of yin and motion and availability for what comes up and wants to be expressed. Interesting. And, uh, all you have to do is just go to your website that's it and contact you yeah um, yeah on my website there's uh there's actually a link to a free discovery session so if if it's like something that you're wanting to look at and work on then i offer a free one hour discovery session that's designed to help you get really clear on what it is you're trying to create what's blocking you from that and what do you need to do to move towards that and do you do you ever have women who hit you up and you're just like no i don't work with women i've had a couple women um i i 
I mostly uh, have referred, okay. but th- I did have one woman who was just absolutely sure that she wanted to work with okay. me. She just was absolutely sure, so we did. Okay. Um, but more and more, my 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 hope would be to just refer those. Yeah. I, I have some really great, amazing coaches who okay. w- work with women specifically, yeah. and that that's who I'd put them in touch with. Okay, so seanpatrickmeyer.com. We'll put the spelling in the show notes. Is there anything else you want? First off, I need to tell the audience because we didn't preface with this. We keep referring to Hazel Grace and the projects of blah, blah, blah. So on our our last episode, we had Dr. Uh, Hazel Grace, who is the founder of the Cock and Pussy Project. And and uh, Sean Patrick co-leads that with her. So that's why we keep referring <laughs> to Hazel Grace and the projects. And um, is there anything else you want to let the audience know about? Any, mm-hmm. any Anything else you got Can going we ask on? the question that we usually ask all Oh our my guests? gosh, I'm so... I can't believe wow. I forgot! <laughs> it's okay. It's a thing. Oh it's a my thing. god! <laughs> okay, I, I came up with this thing. I can't believe I forgot my thing. And I love it. Okay. Cool. <laughs> We it's just gonna show how like it's okay. what a long week I've had. Um, we always we always end by asking our guests this one question. Like, take as much time as you need to answer it. Okay. What's one thing you wish every human being in the world knew right now? That's a that's quite a question. I'm gonna take just a moment. I think if I, if I, if there's one thing that I could have everyone in the world know, is that, is that the question? It would be, um, it would be themselves. Oh, I love that. Yes. That's if if the more we are in touch with ourselves, the more we can be in touch with others, the more that we're available for others, the more that we are really willing to look at the the stuff that we're not so fond of in ourselves, the more we're going to be more compassionate and willing and supportive of others when they're going through the stuff we're not so fond of either. So um, I think there's real beauty and power in our willingness to just be with ourselves. That's a beautiful, simple and elegant answer. Self-awareness. Self-awareness and Mm self-inquiry. It's the best. Thank you so much, uh, Sean Patrick, for a wonderful discussion. Um, I highly recommend anyone who's listening to this who um, heard something that resonated, uh, please contact Sean Patrick at his website and reach out. And um, I'm not sure if this podcast is going to make it in time for tomorrow's. Probably yeah. not. But um, there's ongoing yeah. workshops. The Cock Project and Pussy Project. Yeah. Sean, Patrick, and Hazel Grace go on tour with that. So you can find more on their websites. Check out for one coming near you. All right. Mm-hmm. Thank, Thank you so, so much. much. Appreciate right. y'all. Cheers. Bye.